Starship Troopers came out and it was just like so different. Like I hated it when it first came out. I was I think 16 and I went to see it. But I, I remember revisiting a, about five or 10 years ago and it's a lot of fun. And you know what? It's written by the guy that wrote Robocop. So I mean, you know what I mean? Like how could it be that bad? Hello and welcome to another episode of a podcast directed by. So we are continuing our watch of the director Paul Verhoeven and we will be talking about two movies today as usual. We'll be talking about Starship Troopers and Hollow Man. So Mike, going into this very strange double feature, how are you feeling about Paul Verhoeven? Well, I'd seen these theatrically. Um, probably the, yeah, this would have to have been the, the based on my age the first time. Uh, I was allowed. Uh, I think my dad took me to see Starship Troopers, but for the family-friendly Hollow Man, I was allowed to not only go by myself without parental supervision, but take my younger brother to see it with me. Oh God! Uh, you must have so been like high school out. age when this when this came. Yeah, out. I was high school, yeah. and he might maybe he was a freshman. I don't know, but anyway, uh, that's the the influence of. Uh, of uh, you know American uh, policies there at the theaters, the Hollow Man, fine. It's just the Invisible Man. It's a bunch of hijinks. Come on in, kids. Um, so I think you know at the time uh, when Starship Troopers came out, uh, I felt like the read was he's going back to RoboCop because it's sci-fi and mm-hmm. he's going to make some sort of political point. And uh, even then, I don't think the cult of showgirls had really set in. I think it was still like the stench of a financial catastrophe and, you know, just, you know, critically shameful and like, okay, he's given into his worst instincts. Uh, now he's going to rein it in, except he's reining it in with like what at the time was supposed to be the launching pad for a new franchise for Sony. So (laughs) it's a weird reward for showgirls. Um, but I remember being excited about it. Picture deal after you fucked up royally. So, yeah, I'm like, uh, you know, for Starship Troopers, I think I'm like a freshman in high school and I was excited about it. And um, there was a little bit of that, like, oh, that wasn't the quite the franchise <laughs> launcher we thought. And I don't remember. I remember it kind of failing at the time. So uh, I had gone back. Starship Troopers is the one I've probably that in Total Recall. I've, you know, revisited on video. Uh, I can't say the same for Hollow Man. Hollow Man, <laughs> I just remembered from that probably opening weekend, and that was it. So uh, it's a mixed bag, Dave. I feel like this is familiar territory for me, and also uh, what was I watching as like a 16-year-old? <laughs> right. It's interesting because I, you know, looking back on, on these movies now, there's certain movies, like if you knew me, you'd be like, oh, Dave probably saw that in the theater, or Dave probably didn't see that in the theater. And this mm-hmm. feels like something I would have seen in the yeah, theater, I would think but so. I did not. Um, I didn't see this uh, until probably a year later when it was on video. Um, because in 1997 I was a senior in high school, um, and in 1998 I was living in the dorms at San Jose State. But all of my friends who lived in the dorms—I mean, friends—I don't know—might have been a strong word. You just like live near people, so you all kind of gather whenever, okay. whenever you can, right? So there's like ten Those of poor us. people. I'm sure they appreciate being qualified as <laughs> not really friends. I don't think they're listening. Uh, if they are, <laughs> sorry guys. Um, but there was like 10 of us in a room and they're like, Starship Troopers this is the best movie ever. Oh my God. Um, you have to watch it. And I really enjoyed it when I saw it, but it's, this may be the worst acted movie that I like. Like this is, <laughs> this is, you know, I've used this term before with movies. This is enjoyably bad. I think it has some things to say politically, for sure. I think he's trying to make a very obvious point. But if you just take it, like, at its face, like, this is not a good movie. It's a fun movie. I think the special effects are fun to watch. I think it's 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 as gross as it wants to be. I think they are, they are, they are really going for that with the kind of blood and the gore and the bugs and everything else. Uh, but I really like this movie. Uh, but it's a movie that whenever I say I like it, I feel the need to immediately defend it because I just know... I know there's a lot of people that don't like it, and there's valid reasons for not liking it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm probably one of those that uh, initially I, I didn't like it because I didn't think that it made too much damn sense as far as the actual combat of how to fight no. this like these bug creatures, well, especially because they set some stuff up in the movie, like hey, shoot them here, uh, and they die immediately, and no one takes that advice through the rest of the movie. 
Or just, you know, I mean, this is somewhat in the future where we have space travel. Uh, you know, there, there's no ability. There's like one sequence where they like sort of carpet bomb the like alien Why planet. Why are doing that and all I'm, the time? <laughs> and you see them walking among the like sort of the, the burnt sort of carcasses. And that happens once. And I was just like, wow, it seems kind of foolhardy just to throw, you know, people in the front lines. But, you know, I guess that's part of the political point. Although, strangely, uh, most of the characters involved here are either like wealthy or upper middle class uh, right. based on the, the high school experience we see from them. So I think he maybe misses the point as far as saying like, well, we can throw people at it because they're poor folk and they're signing up to become citizens. But these people had other options, which is a weird it's a weird thing to introduce. Uh, you know, it makes sense maybe for our lead character. Right. But it doesn't seem like Denise Richards is like would ever have to face combat. Also, no, <laughs> apparently come. in the future there's a lot of white people in Rio de Janeiro. That's <laughs> it's very strange that that is where this is set. <laughs> like and the so, cast and this, is as lily white as you can get. And the source like, material is that the same? Is there some sort of weird like fusion of like cultures and I stuff? I think so, or... and I think honestly, that's probably the weakest part of this movie is that they feel like they have to make these tie-ins to the to the original novel. the The original book is very good, but nothing like this. It's very different. It's all kind of a lot of its first person perspective, and it's you know all the stuff about you know being a citizen is there. That's where they took all that stuff from. I, I do like the choice that one of the choices they made as far as adaptation, though. Uh, is you have the the teacher who is also who also ends up being a commanding officer in the army. They have that be the be the same character, and I really like that. It's probably he's probably one of my favorite parts of the movie. In the book, they're two very separate characters. Um, but I think if he hadn't been if he hadn't felt it necessary to have these tie-ins from from the book, and of course it's named Starship Troopers, so you kind of have to. But I think this is a more interesting movie if you just name it something else. I mean, I, I had no experience with it, so to me. Yeah, I just thought the name was kind of stupid as a teenager, and I, I didn't care what it was based on. Um, right. I was happy to see boobs on screen. Uh, that's plenty of that. It's Paul Verhoeven after well, all. <laughs> I'm always happy, um, especially when it's equal opportunity. Like you see yeah. these these showers where it's like you know both both sexes are in there and showering, and no one's. It's strange, like you know, in almost all the movies. Uh, even Total Recall, you know, the setup is, you know, what's your dream woman? And, you know, how there's a question of like how slutty, you know, do you want her to be slutty or what? You know, that's <laughs> that's one of the A, B, C, D options. Uh, considering these are all young people that uh, could go to college or go into, you know, their version of the armed forces. Uh, I always find it strange on rewatch how little they actually comment on each other's bodies when they're nude in front of each other. Right. Like when they're like when they're doing like the job, but they're still obviously like like children when it comes to like flirtations with each other, right. like, Ooh, you like him or oh, she likes you, that sort of thing. And it's, you know, it's this weird sort of like in between space for, I guess these young people now does the acting help? No, <laughs> not. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> when Jake Busey is your most nuanced performance here. He's actually uh, kind of good in this movie. Like, that's, shockingly. well, that's an issue. That's an issue. Yes, what happened to him, by the way? Like, is he still, but it, it wasn't like the mid to late nineties. He was like, you know, popping up and like, you know, in the Frighteners, Frighteners, uh, Enemy, Enemy of the, of the State. State. Yep. Um, oh, he was recently in that terrible new Predator movie. So that's he's still working. Um, sad well, for anyone him can that get that, that gig. I mean, you know, you just if you're apparently a pedophile, in, apparently, you get that gig. <laughs> apparently he's in Stranger Things, uh, which I stopped watching after the first season. Uh, but you know, so good for him. He's on a uh, a very popular show, I guess. But you know, he's still working. Still doing now, his more than Casper Van Dien. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what uh, he was in. Uh, Alita, Battle Angel. That seems like the same people who would. Is go that to a real movie? For... Is that does that Dave, count? The same people who are like going crazy defending like Starship Troopers. I think are you know that's the, a modern version of it where it's like this sort of failed sci-fi property. You're going to launch a new series, but like almost immediately, people are like, no, 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 no. You're just missing out. You're missing the point on this. This is actually great, and I, I find that that rabid defense of some of these films to be a turnoff. And I say right. that as someone who didn't like Starship Troopers and then came around to it, but right. it's none of the arguments being put out there on Twitter or letterbox. I think it's just dumb fun. Yeah. That's I mean, it. I mean, I, I do think like, you know, this is the RoboCop thing all over again. It is very obvious satire. I think it's, 
you know, relatively clever, but I don't think it's something that's going to be like, oh my God, my mind is blown. My whole worldview has changed. And it, and again, just like we talked about with Robocop, you're going to have defenders of this movie who are very right wing in their, in their political leanings. Like, it's just going to be like, yeah, this rules, man. Yeah, you totally should give up everything for your country, you know? Like, so I think sometimes there's a weird balance when it comes to this kind of social satire and criticism is that if you make it too hidden, then no one's going to get it. If you make it too obvious, then a lot of people are going to get it, but a lot of people are also going to ignore it. So it's like, I'm not sure that Verhoeven in these movies hits that sweet spot because he still is really interested in the social part, but he's probably more interested in the sex and the violence, right? He wants to have fun on screen too. He, he has just enough, um, you know, philosophy or political discourse in his films to excuse, um, putting some breasts on screen right. or to, to have the, the characters acting on, uh, their obvious impulses to have sex with one another. Um, and you know what? <laughs> this is actually maybe the most restrained his characters ever are as far as that goes, because you have one, you know, poor young woman, unfortunately named uh, Dizzy here, oh, who Dizzy. throws herself at our lead, Johnny Rico, uh, and only like pretty much under the tutelage of his mentor and like a commanding officer where it's like, you know, you could be dead pretty soon, so you might. <laughs> you might want to have a good time. You might want to bone like right? now. Um, so yeah, you, I, literally, I, you could be dead tomorrow morning. So let's let's have a good and time. And I have never liked that. Uh, spoiler alert, I guess if you've not seen this, um, I've never liked that Dizzy is the one that has to has to die among the I, like, group of friends from high yeah, school. I mainly agree. I don't, you know, I would have been fine with it. What I'm not fine with is her dying and saying, Johnny, I'm done. Dying. No, you're going to be all right, Diz. It's all right. Because I got to have you. It doesn't feel like it fits her character. You know, like, yes, she does care about him. She does love him. But she's like, she's also having a good time with him. How hateable is Denise Richards if in your death rattle, you're still like, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> I got him. <laughs> like, how much you did know, she despise Denise Richards? It's interesting bringing up Denise Richards. First of all, I want to mention that uh, this will probably not surprise you that the writer of this movie also wrote RoboCop. Um, okay. So there's a, there's a connection there. I remember seeing this as an 18 year old and thinking like, oh, God, Denise Richards, how cruel is this character? She is the worst. And then you watch it now and you're like, uh, she's like seven. This character is like 17. Like, did you really expect them to be like, I love you. We're going to be together forever. You are the one for me. Like she wants to go off and she wants to be a pilot. She wants to live her life. She wants to, have, she wants to be a career military. And I'm kind of more OK with the choices that she makes in this movie now rewatching it than I was when I was much younger. Yeah, I mean, I think that probably <laughs> is it. Is it personal growth, or is it just like you don't care about other characters' problems as much? Because it's like you know, I've got my own shit. Other other stuff has happened to me at this point. You're no longer projecting out like, oh, that feeling would be terrible. It's like, yes, that's happened to me five, six, seven times over. Go fuck yourself. Get over it. <laughs> that's, that's basically <laughs> where you're coming from. <laughs> um, but you know it, what works for me. Compared to RoboCop, well, first off, there is sex. I like that. Um, so there, there's some some small degree of pleasure in this world for all the pain. More nudity, more sex. Run, run a good track. Uh, good. The action is substantially better because it was meant to launch a franchise. It was not like this low budget attempt at sci-fi like money. RoboCop. It's... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it did and kind I think, of it did kind of launch a franchise eventually with all these directed video sequels. Yeah, okay. So and yeah. I haven't watched any of those, so I can't say whether they're good for directed video movies or not. But probably so not. I mean, I recorded for another podcast uh, that I do called Ninety Nine for Ninety Nine on Lake Placid, which I had never seen, mm-hmm. and I always kind of heard like, no, no, it's it's better than what you think. And then I watched it, and I'm like, eh, is it? Is it really? It's it's fine. Uh, but that one, uh, much like Starship Troopers, there was a market for those two, I guess, those fan bases to get their direct to sci-fi channel <laughs> or true. whatever uh, yeah. movies. Um, I I think the you know the reason this was probably a failed attempt at a franchise is is there is there more to say here? I don't no, think so. No, absolutely not. I mean, and I think that's kind of what I like about it, and that's probably why I haven't 
I mean, there are many reasons why I haven't watched any of those sequels, probably because they're terrible and I've heard they're really bad. But also, like, this doesn't, the way this movie ends, I just kind of feel like, yeah, this story has been told. I'm good. I'm happy with this. I had a good time. Even stuff that I really like, like Fight Club. Right. I know they came out with like a comic book sequel or something from the uh, the author. No, I don't, thank you. No, okay. I don't need it. What it, you said, you know, some of that, uh, you know, high school, early college uh, debate you want to have about the the workings of the world. Uh, and this feels very much, you know, like just it feels like a young man's game. It's aimed at young men. That's fine. Oh yeah. Uh, but you know, you you want them to eventually stop talking I feel, I feel like starship troopers <laughs> put the poster on your dorm room wall uh berate your roommate into watching it, i guess like your experience right? in college yeah uh and then you know when college is over hopefully you've moved on to something else but um th- this goes back to an element of fandom that it always makes me uncomfortable where um if something was in your mind unfairly maligned it's like you have to go to the mattresses for decades to make sure that that somehow uh, like it is absolved in some very strange reaction um and i think i find it extra strange as people get older when they do that i feel like i probably did that when i was like 18 to 22 but now i'm like i and we talked about this on another episode how sometimes movie watching can be this very solitary thing for us like i don't it's fine if you want to go to the movies with me, but as you mentioned, mm-hmm. like we are staring at a bright light away from one another, so it's not right. it's not a social thing. Uh, so if I enjoyed a movie, even if everyone else in the world hates it, I'm kind of okay with that because I enjoyed it. Like we, you know, we always talk about our top movies of the year, whatever. And one of my top movies of last year was Vox Lux, which was reviled in a lot of circles, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like. I don't care. <laughs> like I love this movie, so that's fine. But I also don't feel the need to proselytize to the world about the gospel of Vox Lux. Like it's just like this is for me, and I had a good time with it. And I even and the same thing a year or so before that when Mother came out, where I watched this movie and I thought to myself, "Man, I love that." People are going to be so mad, and that's okay. You know, like but this is definitely one of those movies that got that reaction, especially out of uh, late teenage boys like we're just like no it's amazing actually it's not bad at all and you watch it and even then you know i mean casper van Dien is probably the the worst casting in this movie. i think he's genuinely one of the more most horrifically bad performers i've seen in a long long time and it's unfortunate because he is the one with the largest arc in this story like, he's got to go from, like, I'm not actually sure if I want to do this, but this pretty girl's going, so I guess I better do it, to, like, okay, now she's gone, and I'm coming into my own, and eventually leading my own troop of soldiers, you know, and kind of taking over for this amazing leader, played by Michael Ironside, who's phenomenal well, as usual. He, he, and I mean, it's not he comes... convincing. Like, Rico's Roughnecks? Like, come on. No. Stop it. Well, he comes to the conclusion, like, I think most, you know, teenagers do, men or women, um, where... Oftentimes we're thinking we're doing something to impress someone else, and if only they could see us in this way. But it's because you're not mature enough to to realize like you're 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 really just trying to impress yourself. Like you're using someone else as some sort of mirror uh, to yourself. But uh, <laughs> if you strip it down, you, you just you just want in their pants. You just want to fuck right. them so yeah. bad. <laughs> Which is like you're 18. Of course you do. I mean, and I still fine. feel that way at 40 sometimes. So like that's, that's fine. But I mean, be honest. That's, you know, you know what? That's why I don't have that big of a problem with uh, Dizzy's death rattle. Because at that point, you know, that is maybe that is the, the ultimate victory there. It's very you much know, she, the who cares had sex reaction. Yes, like exactly. <laughs> Which is a better title. Less nerdier title than Starship yeah, Troopers. That's true. So the one thing we really haven't talked about in this movie is Neil Patrick Harris. He's also also pretty bad here at times. When he has to, like, turn into, like, the, uh, you know, the... Uh, the the SS with like the the leather and he's like you know now now I am one with the like the hive mind the brain like he he's turned so robotic it's to, afraid to it's afraid pretty bad pretty bad <laughs> this has got to be I mean maybe I'm wrong but I'm trying to like place the time period this got to be one of his first kind of adult roles that he's playing right like post Doogie like, this has got to be, like, kind of like, oh, wow, you know, Neil Patrick Harris is doing something different other than this really famous TV show that he was doing. And he, you know, automatically has a certain charm. Like, you can you can see it, uh, that, that he has some charm. But, like, just doesn't seem to have a grasp of what's going on in the movie. Like, he's just—I feel like he's trying so hard to shed that kind of good kid image 
and he's playing this very snarky that it just comes off as a kid trying to put on the big boy pants and like play a real role. And it just right. isn't really working for me. Yeah. I mean, he, he's definitely better as the, uh, you know, the slightly obnoxious, uh, smartest guy in the room in high school with his mm-hmm. little experiments he's running and playing yeah. a prank on his mom, all that. Uh, but yeah, when he has to do, it's not even a heel turn. It's just like, as you said, when he has to do the grown up turn, like now I am man. Uh, <laughs> no, not really. Um, I don't know, man. The, Unfortunately, like even as a uh, teenager, I the only ones I like, you know, you mentioned the the teacher, um, Clancy Brown, as like oh, their yeah. their training officer, like you know during boot camp as a Zim, uh, you know, I, I, the old dudes, and I, I because I think you hit it on the head, they know what type of movie they're in, right? So they relish <laughs> the machismo of every like mm-hmm. line that they have, and uh, I don't think any, any of the roughnecks, the younger roughnecks, they don't seem to relish it. I was like, what, what do you think you're doing here? Like, right. You know, on the waterfront or something like, no. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think there are, there are moments. Um, I keep wanting to call him Doogie Hauser <laughs> with Neil Patrick Harris's character that you feel like there's something there. Like early in the movie, he's, he's, you know, I like the fact that, and this is script stuff, but I like the fact that instead of saying like, no, I would never do that to a person. I'd only do that to animals or whatever. He just says like, no, I I can't do that to humans, which gives you a clue that, you know, morality is flexible with this character. But I just don't feel like they do enough with that. Right. And it's interesting for a movie that is so blatant and on the nose, not only with the action stuff, but with the political stuff, that is a really easy, this is a layup. Right. Is to have this character actually do a heel turn, actually be kind of a despicable character, even though he's on, quote, the right side. He's on the human side. But they never really play with that too much. And I don't know if that's a script thing, if that's a limitation of the actor, if it's another case of Paul Verhoeven. We kind of talked about this in the last episode. Who's not really out to protect his actors. Just kind of do whatever you want. You know, we'll, we'll work it out. And it felt like that again, where it feels like there's some opportunities for this in terms of the satire to be much better. I think it's still good. I think it's still fun and enjoyable, but it, you know, it misses a lot of opportunities. I mean, look at a certain point you have, you know, the bugs here, you know, the, the, the big brain bug, like sucking out, you know, the roughnecks sucking out the character's (laughs) brains. That guy sucks anyway. It's fine. Yeah, he does suck. And he looks far too old for, for this, the rest of this uh, cast. Strangely, Uh, he was one of the few actors in this that I knew who he was going into it because very strange connection. But my sister was a big, big fan of a certain soap opera called days of our lives. And he was a recurring character on that. So she had his picture on her wall. So as soon as he showed up, I was like, I fucking hate this guy. Shout Uh, out to uh, Patrick Muldoon is the actor's name. And it appears he has the like exact same hair as as he did. Nothing has changed. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Like, you know, I've seen, I saw some reviews. I was just perusing like, Oh, how's it stand up with the film Twitter freaks? And, you know, I get on letterbox and it's like, you know, what, what we do to uh, other nations without like really knowing them. And I'm like, you know what? They're giant bugs and they stick their stupid like bug claws, like, you know, (laughs) right into your skull and suck out your brain. What sort of nuance are we really going for here? And I I don't know if the film is trying to do that with the like brain bug when it's like you you mentioned uh, Neil Patrick Harris, you know, he is scared. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care. I'm checked out. I mean, I think, I think both of those things are true. I think there is there are things it's trying to say, but because it's so blatant and so on the nose, it's hard to take any of that seriously. Like they even have a, you know, a reporter give lip service to this where he says, like, some people say we should just leave them alone and they'll be fine by themselves. Pretty much every monster movie. I mean, unless the monster is rampaging in New York City. Uh, which usually it means you've usually brought, we the brought them there. there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I shout out Lake Placid. One problem I had with that, you know, watching it first time 20 years later is like, uh, just don't go there. Let, yeah, let don't the go that fucking lake. Just swim and eat what he wants there. Yeah. It's out in the middle of nowhere. What are you doing there? Um, Betty White's fine with it. So yeah, I mean that, that's, that was something I said as a teenager. I'm like, why are we there? Which I guess you could, you could extrapolate that to, you know, America's involvement, you know, policing the world. Sure. 
Yeah, but there's some there's some more legitimate gain. I don't think the movie ever shows us why the government what gains would they get? Why are we flying across the galaxy to this disgusting planet with disgusting bug creatures? Right. I also find and they're like farting that... at us. They're like farting at us from True. like a distance. <laughs> I find it very funny that randomly we were talking about Lake Placid and Betty White when Rue McClenahan, also star of Golden Girls, is in this movie. Uh, as a biology teacher in high school, it's very like I didn't even recognize her at first because I think like her eyes are damaged and covered, and there's like this weird red makeup around. But as I watched it again, I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, well, I yeah. recognize her when you like scroll down right. IMDb based on headshot, but no, I would not have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of it's. I I do agree with you that I feel like this movie is much better, and you can't really make this movie this way, but. The movie itself is much better if you focus on the the older soldiers and their struggles and trying to bring these young kids along. But it's so focused on the kids and it is so so sophomoric, so immature that it, it's hard to take even as seriously as Verhoeven wants you to, which is not very seriously. But it's hard to even get there. Um, I think the bad acting gets in the way. I think if you hire more talented actors, even with kind of let's be honest a subpar script i think it still could work a lot better it's just like they didn't really do any of the work when it came to casting here (laughs) they could have done a lot better think how much better it is this comes out two years later you have jason biggs sean william scott chris klein and the premise is just americans pie in space where it's these virgins they're like i have to fuck before i die before a bug kills me i'm all for that movie (laughs) so much better you know what i've i've probably come across as I've just shit all over this. Like I think on Letterboxd, I gave this like four out of five. I was yeah. like, it's fun. I've watched it, you know, every handful of years, you know, yeah. I watch it again and I'm like, yeah, it was pretty good, but I'd never do a deep dive into the message boards or the threads right. on like the meaning of it. Yeah. And it's just, I, it, it's a weird, and you know what? It's a weird big budget release too. I think yes. that's what I appreciate about it. The, yeah. the, the sex, uh, the nudity, the violence, uh, the, you know, the weird comic tone to it. Uh, we probably don't get that often. So I understand the passion to a certain degree. I just, you know, yeah. I don't want you uh, mansplaining or nerdsplaining <laughs> the movie to me, I yes. guess. Yeah, I think that's actually an important thing to bring up uh, with a bunch of these movies that we've talked about, like including in our last episode, Showgirls, which you did not like at all. Um, but I had mildly positive things to say, but I find myself reacting in a negative way because people are trying to tell me, actually, this is a mm. un- underappreciated classic. And you hear kind of the same thing with Starship Troopers. Like, actually, it means a lot and blah, blah, blah. And it's like... How many like unappreciated classics does this guy get when he's get- getting budgets like $50 million or above? Right. I don't feel that bad for the dude. Yeah. You know, the- some people liked it. It's good enough. Now, imagine Gina Gershon teaching those American Pie kids all God about sex yeah. and also leading them in combat. We this can make easy. that movie now. Like this that's... is easy, Dave. If they only give us the power, <laughs> that's you know, when it. We were and teenagers. the money. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So now we will take a break and probably hear from our resident Paul Verhoeven expert, Jerry Smith of the Pod and the Pendulum podcast, and then we will come back and talk about Hollow Man. Oh God. Oh man. That is the movie that made Paul Verhoeven quit Hollywood. Like. <laughs> How could you like the movie? That movie. Oh my God. You talk about a movie that just couldn't be made today. Like you're following somebody who you think is a protagonist at first. Who gets, it's it's kind of like the playing God thing that happens in films. You know, they discover something that they're good at. He becomes invisible. And he just becomes very rapey. Like that movie, it just, it makes me so uncomfortable to watch. Like, Kevin Bacon is such a great actor in general, but Hollow Man, shit, dude. Like, I don't really have much to say about that movie other than it's bad. It's a rapey piece of shit. All right, and we are back now to talk about the second half of our Paul Verhoeven double feature. We are moving on to 2000s. Hollow Man, uh, starring Kevin Bacon. Um, this is, you know, just the Invisible Man, right? What could go wrong here, Mike? <laughs> what could possibly go wrong with Paul Verhoeven doing the Invisible Man? Uh, well, I mean, there's going to be one obvious one that I think is like, you know, the big deal. It was the big deal when it came out. Uh, I actually knew, I knew about the rape sequence before I saw the film. Before it even released, yeah. it was being talked about. Um, <laughs> would it be talked about as much now? 
Probably not. I don't think this film is. I don't know that it'll get get made. Yeah, Yeah. it doesn't get made. No way. Maybe at the time. (laughs) I don't know if that was a sign of progression, uh, because we discussed uh, numerous rapes in this month. (laughs) This month of rape sequences. Uh, I had a bigger issue with uh, showgirls that almost kind of like killed the movie for me, like any sort of camp fun. Uh, and I think for a lot of people at the time of Hollow Man's release, that was like a big red flag as far as like, it, I, I, you know, I just think remember some, some columnists and film people I read was like, eh, I can't really recommend this. Can't support this. Cause this was a fairly generic, that sounds really negative, but it's like a summer programmer, a summer thriller, a popcorn yep. thriller. So throwing that sort of sequence in this and making it a, a huge plot point. Uh, hard to market, Dave. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'm gonna co- I'm gonna circle back to all the. Rape you want to go away from the, the rape, huh? For a moment, and let me say something positive about this movie. The effects are really cool. I still like the effects in this movie, mm, even 20 years later. I enjoyed it. I think it's really fun. Uh, I thought they were silly then. I did, you know, <laughs> this got nominated what? for an Oscar, Mike. What's wrong with you? No. <laughs> Oscar nominated film, Hollow Man. No, I I think it's you know. Does it look realistic? I mean, I don't know. Like, all this stuff is nonsense anyway. Uh, but I I like the idea of seeing the process of this, of this drug going into the system and it kind of lighting up the arteries and going through and kind of, you know, you getting this outline of this gorilla or this person based on what's being injected into them. I think it's, I think it's really fun. It's a, it's a fun idea. Like, would it look better if they did it now? Of course, this is still made in the year 2000. Yeah, I thought that's pretty pretty goofy looking. Like the, especially when like the whatever's invisible is like reforming, and I, like I don't I don't know like the science of it. Like <laughs> maybe <laughs> I just quote science of it. Yeah, I think I think we're getting into the uh, the the weeds of like the you know the uh, the Invisible Man origin story here, where it's like a really kind of obnoxious uh, sciencey dude going into his underground bunker. That guy um, sucks. Listening to his uh, crappy, like, uh, hard rock. Yeah. Oh, no. um, I don't know. Like, I, I think I just want an on-off switch for the whole movie. I just, <laughs> just He's invisible or he's visible. That's it. I, I didn't sure. really like the transformation stuff. Sure. So, all right. <laughs> so you mentioned the rape scene as if there is only one non-consensual scene in this movie, which is not so. This movie, like, this is the first movie that we've covered on our show that I do not like in any way. I mm. I find this movie despicable. That is the best term I can come up with. Like, it's except what, for those effects. You like yes. the the fun visual effects. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but it's just it's mean for no reason. It's not fun. None of it is sexy. I feel bad for Elizabeth Shue and Josh Brolin for most of this movie. Um. My big issue with it more than, I mean, not more than the rape sequences because those are really hard to watch, but the whole idea of this movie should be about like, oh, there is darkness inside of all of us, right? And what would you do if you couldn't be seen and you felt like there were no repercussions for your actions? It's an interesting thought process that we've seen in science fiction time and time again, but it's only interesting if the main character is likable in the slightest. He starts off as an asshole, and then he's an invisible asshole. There is no difference between how he acts when he's in person and how he acts when he's invisible. There should be a journey. There should be an arc. And really what it's all about is, you know, getting to a point where you can show naked bodies and then becoming a haunted house horror movie at the end. And that's it. And I was just like, I'm not interested in this character. And we're going to follow him for two hours, and I'm tired. So he's got a villain's name, Sebastian Kane. Yeah, that is it's a good name. It's a good villain okay. name. Okay. Yeah. So you know where we're going with this guy. Um, yeah, anyone who's your named point, Kane, it's, it's not going to go good places. That's, I was going to go with Sebastian myself, but that's the crab, right? From Little Mermaid. It so is, yes. I don't think he was evil. He, no. You know, he's just a little overbearing sometimes, but yeah, he's a little overall. neurotic. But yeah. yeah, I don't think if he goes invisible, he's going to start, uh, you know, clawing stop, people stop. to death. <laughs> Whatever you're. Say, please stop. Clawing? Because I don't know. 
<laughs> Pinching? I don't know. No, let's move <laughs> look, on. <laughs> look, you say move on, but I'm like, you know, we, we got to have some fresh material here for Hollow Man. So if I'm going to go on my Little Mermaid thing, fine. You know, like That's far less it. offensive than some of the other Little Mermaid tweets we've seen in the last month or so. <sighs> okay, so you're... You don't you don't like the general ugliness of this movie, but I feel like showgirls, certain degree Starship Troopers, um, is there. There's a definite interest from Verhoeven in showing people being ugly to each other. Uh, maybe Starship Troopers is a little bit of a reach because I guess the other would be the bugs, which. <laughs> You know, that that's the bad Sebastians there, Dave. You know, they're, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they're gonna be stabby with their you know, their claws or what have you. Um I see what you're saying about Kevin Bacon having no arc. Like it seems like he wanted to become invisible because he had it in his mind that he could grab women's breasts, he could rape the neighbor next door, he could stalk his ex girlfriend that he works with. Um, if he could just become invisible, my issue with it is I, they never really sell me that him becoming invisible would allow him to do these things. Cause he's still a physical presence. He's not a right. ghost. So the, the stupidity here, you know, I, I mentioned in the previous conversation that, you know, starship troopers, why didn't they just carpet bomb the, the planet or just, you know, just shoot missiles into the holes, you know, like, um, do it a little like Caddyshack style. What, what, what's going on here? Uh-huh. And this one, like these scientists are so stupid in how they deal with someone who's still a physical presence that has to walk in and out of rooms. Uh, yeah, you can't see them, but you can certainly throw things and you know, you're, they're going to bounce off and they're going to, you know, hurt, especially if he's in the buff, he's in the nude. Yeah. My, my letterbox Very review, sensitive. I, I don't have it in front of me, but I'd give this movie a pass if, you know, there's a lot of naked grappling from Kevin Bacon's part, right? Because yes. he's trying to be sneaky. Just have Josh Brolin accidentally grab his dick. And like, you know, just, <laughs> I just, I feel like that's the risk you take. You're going to be an evil, invisible an man who can't wear clothes. That that... <laughs> you know, it just seems like you're going <laughs> to, you're going to run your dick into things that you didn't want <laughs> to be run into because no one can see you. Mm. And, they play. There's a little bit of playfulness with you know him being nude, um, but not nearly enough. And mm-hmm. it, they're in a big rush to get. It's like they realize the boring bits of like asshole sciencey dude, and so they're in a big rush to get him to do like even more outlandish things once he becomes invisible. Uh, you know, we've skipped over the fact. I guess what really starts it off is he just kills a dog. He just for barking. Yeah, yeah, that's not... unforgivable sin. It in is. My book. Like it's for me. I mean, it's like oh, I'm I, done. And I think for everybody. I mean, I think this movie takes a lot of shortcuts uh, to make sure you know he's evil, and that's the biggest one: is the killing of a defenseless dog. That's always going to get people on the other side. Like that's going to happen. Do you but, find it interesting that he, like the film, the film treats that as if like okay, he lashed out. And it treats him grabbing a coworker's breast as she's like dosed off to sleep on like, you know, watch duty, watch duty for the invisible man. Uh, so dumb. <laughs> as something that is just like would come on a whim. Like he just like, huh, I think I might do that now. But the even the film seems to acknowledge because it has him acknowledge like, don't even think about it. When he goes back home as the invisible man and looks across the window at this, this woman that undresses like right across from him. And he says something like, it's like, don't even think about it. But it's like the film is giving you enough pause and enough beat. Like, will he actually do this? They didn't do that. They don't do that with him massacring a dog or grabbing another woman that he actually knows and is close with. There's like this stunning lack of build for these, for these horrible actions. Like it just feels like that they're trying to shock you as opposed to doing any, any of the work to actually surprise you. What would we be comfortable with as far as, cause they're, before the 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 rape, which they, you know, it's it's one time where I guess Verhoeven was probably told to pull back, um, mm-hmm. which I, I know he sort of disavowed this movie. He's like, you know, it's he a, regrets making it. I actually found a quote from him. It's the one he's like, I will defend. Basically, said I will defend any movie that I've made, but I can't defend Hollow Man. I think even in that quote, didn't he say like even Showgirls? Yeah, like yeah. So, <laughs> sort of a backhanded that's sort of where you know, we're at. compliment insult. Um, so they're they're playing with. 
like the horror movie, right? The stalker outside the window, mm-hmm. except he's just in a like apartment complex right. hallway because you can't be seen. Like, can you? Was there nothing interesting there where they could just build up? Like, if he is invisible, he is going to give be given access to become a voyeur, which is could be titillating. And he's not, I guess, crossing any legal lines. I mean, we're in murky legal territory with a man who can turn <laughs> be turned invisible. Yes. But it's like they're in a big damn hurry in this movie to they're basically in a hurry to get him fighting in the underground bunker for like the last third. Yeah, I really wish that we got we got something of this character other than like he is a stereotypical, terrible person in this movie. Like it's only interesting if there's a fall from grace, right? If you if you show that this man has weaknesses, but he wants to be good and then he goes dark then that is much more affecting. But when you're introduced to him as like, you know, super genius, uh, treats his ex like crap. Um, it's to the point where she has to hide the person that she's with because he'll get jealous and act like an asshole. Like he's already like, we've taken all the shortcuts. He kills a dog 30 minutes into the movie. Like we've taken every shortcut possible to make sure you know that this man is evil. So like, where is there to go from there? I actually, I think like the only thing that the movie does really well is like the last 20 minutes when when it just gives in and becomes a flat out horror movie. You know, it gets to the point where we are throwing bags of blood on the ground like that is the level we're at. And he's picking them off one by one. And there's some kind of cool effects with the, you know, with the steam and him being, you know, covered with water and covered with blood. I mean, that stuff really, really works visually. But like we've done a whole lot of work for no reason because this character is just a jerk. And he's still a jerk. He's just a jerk who kills people. That's the only that's the only growth we have here. He's gone from treating people like garbage to murdering them. Yeah, and he you know, he has no imagination, which is like the most damning thing for me in a like horror movie setting. It's like even with these monosyllabic, like just sort of walking nightmares that are just there to kill and maim in these type of films. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, <laughs> His idea, like he even says multiple times, like, you know, basically the power that he has, like he doesn't want to let go of, of like being invisible. I'm like, I don't know, dude. There's like an awful lot of downsides. You're not Kitty Pride. You can't phase in and out of things. You're not right. an invisible woman with extra powers. Right. So like. <laughs> it's nice that you, you want not... people to leave you alone. <laughs> yeah. And, and they don't, uh, they, they don't touch on the isolation at all. Like, cause there's always someone with him, which uh-huh. in this world, I guess makes some degree of sense. And he doesn't do anything with his time when he is, when he does like break out for a second, he, what does he do? He goes back home when I'm thinking, what, why, what what are you investigating? Like, what do you, why did you go back to your apartment? What, when you're, when you're alone in your apartment, he's a single man, uh, single and, you know, as you said, he's invisible already. Yeah, exactly. That's my, that was my point. I was just thinking like you, if you don't talk to anyone and no one sees you, like you're why do you need to be invisible anyway Speaking to just as sit a single around. man who lives alone i don't need that power it's i'm good on that man i'm good at being in my you know the place i live alone <laughs> no one sees me this yeah you don't need the downsides yeah, of, no, of being invisible yeah um so it's not really that interested um it just wants to be a slasher monster movie uh, which I know they're they're making another Invisible Man. I think with Elizabeth Moss mm-hmm. uh, coming out, which I, I think has <laughs> now been cut off from the Dark Universe. That's not well, I don't know happening. Everything's been cut off from that. Yes. <clears throat> <laughs> Side note: like when there's a failed cinematic universe, why why do they feel like they have to like cut away from it? Like if you <laughs> if you have let, let's say uh, for argument's sake that Iron Man had failed and they've already got Hulk in the can coming up. Do they suddenly like cut out the scene with Tony Stark? I mean, who cares? Yeah. What difference does it make? Yeah. Yeah. So here's something else that doesn't make sense. You mentioned the stupidity uh, of this movie and it makes a lot of mistakes. Okay. Uh, And one thing I noticed when I watched this movie, so they first run this test on a gorilla, right? All right. And you have really hung up on this, Dave. Wait, you have, you have a bunch of doctors and you have you have a, a veterinary doctor there, right? Mm-hmm. Kim Dickens. Yes, She's Kim good. Dickens in a completely thankless part. And I've just I just got done rewatching Deadwood, so I was very happy to see her in a movie, and then very mm-hmm. sad that it was in this one. The the gorilla they think is dying. It's you know it's having a heart attack basically. Um, and who do you think 
uh, operates and tries to save this gorilla's life. Is it the veterinarian? No, it is not. It is the random human doctors who are giving shocks to the gorilla. And I was like, should, shouldn't the expert be in charge now? Should, like, why, is, why is Kevin Bacon the one heading up this, this medical intervention and not the person who's been trained to take care of animals? Like, yeah, I mean, her right job there. is she's is, there to uh, like read numbers off a screen. That's, I can do well, that job. <laughs> I I wasn't well. Here's a job you can't do. I was gonna say moral compass is like her job, or yes. like you know, yes. keeping things uh, the procedures above board. How um, dare you? I can do that job. <laughs> <laughs> don't think I, I missed that, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't really think you'd have the interest long term, Dave. I That's think you. Like, you're. <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys know, are you guys are a lost cause. I'm going home. <laughs> there's there's a certain uh, moral flexibility that I, I love about you. So uh, I would have that expectation when you were in the interview for that position. Um, I don't know. Like on that note, like you know, if if they want to throw these questions out, as far as like you know, the, I remember the trailer line is like you know, uh, it's amazing the things you can do if you don't have to look at yourself in the mirror and. It's like, so <laughs> is that the only barrier? Like, cause you, you're still like, you know, I, I get the cutesy line, but you're, you're still you and you still have to like you live with live the with things that. you've done. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's, but that's it. Like <laughs> it's such a stupid person that's saying it. The Kevin Bay character is so stupid. That he's like, well, as long as I don't see bad me, bad me doesn't exist. Like, <laughs> See, and this is an example of how dumb this movie actually is, right? Not just what you just mentioned, that like, you know, looking at yourself in the eyes is not the gauge <laughs> of whether you're a good or a bad person. But the reason they can get away with that ridiculous line in this movie, or as the, you know, as the tagline for this movie, is that you have a character that doesn't change because he could live with himself already. Nothing has altered. He was already doing stupid, terrible things. And it's like, it's upsetting because like, as I mentioned at the very beginning, the idea behind this is actually really interesting, but you'd actually have to take your time with it and build a character that had faults, but you actually cared about. And this guy literally from the moment he enters the film, from the first scene of the movie to the last scene of the movie, he's completely unlikable. And this is actually in some ways a compliment to Kevin Bacon as an actor, because I think he's one of the few actors who can either play a total sweetheart or play someone who is just completely the absolute worst human being on the planet. And he can convince you of either one. I think he's actually like, I mean, it sounds weird to say this because I despise this movie, but he's actually very good here in what he's asked to do uh, because there's not, there's not much wiggle room for him here. It's just kind of like you are an asshole and now you kill people go. And he seems to relish this performance like he really goes for it and i appreciate that but it's still not a good movie i didn't care for him dave i'm just gonna be honest mr bacon didn't like this uh here's my hang up <laughs> as you were speaking i'm like you know what <laughs> i can be that dude I, I i have nothing good to say about his performance really and i have nothing good to say about his hair what is with oh, what, is there, what is with everyone, everyone's hair in this like Elizabeth Shue, Kim Dickens, and Kevin Bacon. It's like someone said it has to be the same length. You can <laughs> sli- style it slightly differently, but it is this weird. And look, my mind wanders on stuff mm. like this because. Well, it's better than focusing on the nonsense that's in front of you sometimes. I mean, I, I give people, creators, you know, the benefit of the doubt. That's like, okay, where there was some sort of aim here and where did they misfire? But I don't really feel it like from all parties involved it's like maybe the effects that you liked where it's like oh we're gonna do some interesting fight scenes with the invisible man in different you know versions of i guess visibility there different levels um but everything else i mean it's a it's an ugly movie from an ethical point of view but it's ugly also aesthetically when you're like it's gonna be in an underground lab with like just stainless steel surfaces and old desktop computers and invisible animals that we're going to murder. Like, Which is why I, it I just know. should have been a horror movie from, from the jump. Like, it's totally set up to be a haunted house movie. But it takes I think you start it after, after he's already invisible. I, I think if you want to, like, right. maybe cut back to, you know, maybe a sequence of just the transformation. Mm. But I, I think 
you know, if you're already starting him uh, becoming unhinged, maybe then you just accept what he's doing because you don't have any sort of concept of who he was. Like right. they didn't have any interest, I mean, in presenting that version of him. Uh, and so then you're like, wow, what would it be like if, if you don't give us an exact date of how long he's had to like be isolated like that? Sure. Maybe I can go with him doing these terrible things. Yeah. And I just looked up because I, I hate this script so much. I looked up the, uh, the writer of this and he is uh, known for, uh, the fast and the furious. So there's that fast and the furious, much better movies than this. It's just very unfortunate. Like I just felt as, as I, as the runtime grew, I just felt myself getting more and more angry at this movie that I was just sitting here and watching it, especially because in general, all the other movies up to this point from Verhoeven, I've at least liked. There are definitely, as you mentioned, there's a lot of ugliness when it comes to uh, comes to showgirls, right? But there is still at least some modicum of fun to be had. It's campy. It knows what it is, you know, and this is just really mean. <laughs> the whole movie. Well, there's, they don't allow you to uh, enjoy uh, any of the the attempts at sex in this film. And I, when I say attempts is because that's one of the bits where the invisible man, you know, lashes out, throws a temper tantrum and breaks a window when he sees his ex, uh, starting to engage in uh, physical intimacy with Josh Brolin. Um, but then not you have the Josh con- Brolin like asking questions about Sebastian when Elizabeth Shue is about to go down on him. And I was like, you are, you're killing me here. What are you doing? Why are you bringing up her I, ex at this moment? What are you doing? <laughs> I choose to believe it's because she had the line, like, I'm trying to make love to you, which is... <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> not great. It's not great. <laughs> not the sexiest way to say that. <laughs> but still, like, at some point, like, I mean, I understand why that's there is, like, everything has to be stunted in this moment. He has to be kind of obsessed with this guy because it's, you know, her ex and he's really talented and he's a genius. He's won all these awards. But I'm like, just enjoy your blowjob, sir. What are you doing? Well, also, Thanks. correct me if I'm wrong, uh, the dude is invisible at that time too, right? Yeah. He's kind of, a, you know, it's kind of an interesting problem to have bringing home from work. <laughs> Dave, he did turn a man invisible. Whatever. But yeah, okay, so showgirls, like... You know, for as much as uh, this, we made fun of the the sex scenes, like the pull sequence, or whatever, there there's at least you know it's even happening. If they, even if they're faking it, you know, you know, at least half of that party is faking it. Uh, they're enthusiastic about <laughs> yes. you know faking that orgasm. Here, uh, it's uh, I would have thought that like like Judd Apatow or somebody made this someone who's like, or even Kevin Smith's a certain degree. These like guys who seem kind of like afraid of sex, like they're like still scared of it. And that seems to be like the running theme throughout all their very sexual films. But Verhoeven has never really expressed that. Even when previous characters have been raped, like in flesh and blood, like, you know, sex is wielded like a weapon here. <laughs> people are always being interrupted. They, they they're either trying to take a nap and they're assaulted, or you know you have two people about to engage in consensual sex and they're interrupted again with a glass, you know, breaking. I don't know. I just uh, I don't think they some there's some sort of studio interference. I'm thinking where there's probably a far more perverted version of this, like you know, uh, where the character it is more about his sexual hangups. Right. Uh, and they just went with like the worst possible versions of that where it's like, well, just have him rape a woman. That's scary. Right. Yeah. And yeah. The, with no, no thought given to that, that character that is just a, it's just a physical object, you know, just gaze at from across the street. And yeah. I'm not asking for more rape, but I, I don't even like the way they handled it, that they sort of allow the audience off the hook and that we just see her being attacked, but. Uh, you don't actually feel it. You're just like, oh, he did a bad thing, but I didn't have to sit through it. Yeah, that is actually something that surprised me because all I remembered about this movie is like, Hollow Man seems pretty rapey. That's all I really remembered about this movie. Mm -hmm. And this sounds terrible to say, but I kind of expected those scenes to be more affecting and more violent and worse. But instead it was just like, oh, cut. And then we cut and she's crying and then we move on. So we understand what happened. But like you mentioned, we as the audience don't have to deal with it. So that becomes because we still worse. want it to be like a fun, scary movie. We yeah. want to have like the uh, the fight scenes with the, you know, where he's like hanging from the ceiling. I'm like, what, what, you know? Shouldn't he still be like a normal dude? And yes, yes. <laughs> when you spray spray out with like a uh, fire extinguisher and you get some sort of glimpse of where he is, 
Josh Brolin's a bigger guy. I mean, I'm sure he's just got reach. Punch that dude in the face. Just swing. Uh, yeah, swing away. Exactly. So, Signs so, coming to a month you know, very soon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the M9. Let's move on. Uh, (laughs) So I found myself wondering, is there a performance you like in this movie? Or is the script like so terrible that there's nothing that can be done? Because I think there's a lot of good actors in this movie. Elizabeth Shue, Josh Brolin, Kim Dickens, all very good. Um, I, I mean, I think I think Elizabeth Shue's really bad. I think Josh Brolin's really bad. I think Kim Dickens is not bad, but she's, you know, she's the... uh the hall monitor character, right? right. Like, oh, we really shouldn't be doing this. Why are we doing this? However, like, I since she's the only one calling anyone out, I always like when she's talking. I like her intensity. Uh, she's, you know, she always expresses far more intelligence than usually, like, even the roles, you know, yes. she's assigned, especially in a sort of thankless part like that. So I would say Kim Dickens. I mean, I'm not really going to knock <laughs> any of the other ones uh, that are, like, you have got, two. Like, three lines. I mean, it's. You know, a couple of them are just there for like, hey, they're the funny guys, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I think and Elizabeth Shue meat shields. I mean, that's because it does become a horror movie for that last third. I, I mean, I think Elizabeth Shue and Kevin Bacon as your two leads are just like both. They're just really bad. They, you know, Kevin Bacon, maybe like the the more if you want to call them fun moments where he's like gone into total villain mode, you can't see him. So right. yeah, all he's playing is just the the douchey you know, tech guy, dickhead, who's just like disappointing his investors. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really unfortunate because like, you know, I mean, I think I've said this two or three times, but like, there's, there are some good ideas to be had here. And like, none of them, none of them work. Like I tried so hard, like, like, you know me, I will always try to find things positive, even about movies. I despise, like, let me find something I liked, but this movie just gives you nothing to grasp at. And it doesn't surprise me that, like, from what I've heard, this is the movie that kind of broke Verhoeven from Hollywood. He was like, I can't do it anymore. I'm walking away. I'm going back home. See, I choose to think of it, flip it, where it's like America said, no more. Well, that too. Paul, <laughs> <I think. laughs> Paul you're done. Yes. <laughs> you're done, son. Absolutely. So, uh, but you know what? That's uh, It's probably good for us because I don't think we've covered anything um, – yeah, even though the first film we talked about was like a, a co-production among uh, right. various countries. Uh, now we are getting out of the English language, uh, which means no clips, presumably for Dave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that... <laughs> yes. Mm, it's going to be a little, little challenging for me. So that being said, does that leave you – are you looking forward to that? Are you looking forward to him getting away from kind of the English language This films? is the easiest. I mean, coming off of Hollow Man, yes. <laughs> I look forward I'm to anything forward different. To whatever is next. Um, I have only seen one – uh, of the uh, the three remaining films, mm-hmm. so a couple of these will be you know completely fresh, new. I don't really know what I'm uh, getting into with uh, the very next one, to be honest. Right. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to this too. And but it, it makes me wonder if I had not seen L, which will be the last movie we cover on the last episode. I don't know that I would be looking forward to this if that movie had not come out. But I know that I love that movie, and I know that has a lot to offer. So it's going to be interesting for me to see. God damn, Dave. Back to the rape. Jesus, you're already look you couldn't get enough in Hollow Man, so you're, you know, opening scene for that one. My goodness. It's true. But it's going to be interesting f- to see kind of how he moves from Hollow Man to L eventually. So I'm I'm interested to see these two movies in the interim. And I just like you have not seen either of these movies. All I know about them is one is very short and one is very long. One is less than an hour and one is two and a half hours long. Uh so, you know, it kind of evens out to two normal Normal length movies, so it's still it's still okay for us. But um, but the movies we are going to watch are uh, Black Book and Tripped. Um, so, Mike, do you have any knowledge of these movies going in? You know well, that's where them? you and I differ. I've not seen L. I've only seen the oh, first right. scene, and oh. I was like, you know what? I am not in the mood for this. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know that may that may not have been nice to that film, but you know you you see something like that, and I I've, I kind of worry lot, about it's like, a lot to take in that first well, scene. Yeah, is rough. that's something I'm sure we'll get to with that episode. But I I'm not trying to make a joke out of it. Like especially anyone who's got any sort of experience with any sort of physical sexual assault. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, just in these films and Hollow Man, you kind of have to make a joke because I don't I don't think the film is like giving it any sort of credence or any sort of thought. So it's best just to trash it 
and be yes. done with it. Um, I feel like that yeah. movie trashed its audience, so I feel fine trashing yeah. it right back. So uh, I have seen Tricked, and I watched it for another podcast, and that was really the sole reason was we were doing like an anniversary thing, and I'm like, oh, that came out that week. So hmm. what is this? Um, is that the short run time or the long run time one? It, the uh, <laughs> so you, do you know you know nothing about Tricked at all? Not a thing. Um, I don't know if this is like a spoiler, but there you know there are probably two different ways you can watch Tricked. So the actual like film itself is like 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. If you get the DVD, which is what I did, and you just pop it in and it just plays, uh, end up being 90 minutes. And I was like, what? What is happening here? And on the DVD, even though it's not like an extra feature, it's just like you press play. This is the entire runtime feature film. The first 45 minutes is the thought process, the concept and the, how we did this. Like oh, we're doing something, we're doing like an experiment in filmmaking. I guess, I guess they wanted to give you uh, some context. So maybe when we get to that episode, it'll be interesting to see how you choose to watch it. Uh, because you may have a very different reaction because you're like, why the fuck are these characters doing this? And then I'll be like, well, Dave, Let me if you accidentally you. <laughs> watched the special features before I would explain to you why. Um, so that one I think will be interesting to talk about just from a process perspective. Black Book, I don't know anything about, but it's sitting, uh, a disc is sitting on my coffee table. All right, coming soon. All right, so uh, that's it for this episode. So please, if you'd like to connect with the show, do that. We are on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Just look up at uh, DirectedByPod is our, is our handle on all those accounts. Uh, so be sure to follow us and let us know uh, if you like the show, if you don't like the show, what you want more of, what you want less of. We are uh, we might not Ooh. do it, but we'll listen. Uh, so <laughs> don't give please. up that power. Look, my big diatribe <laughs> on Tricked has influenced you uh, in the wrong way, Dave. We do, we do not want this to be more collaborative. You know, just say you liked it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, uh, please. So more. please uh, follow us, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Um, and as we mentioned, next episode we will be talking about Paul Verhoeven's Black Book and Tricked. <laughs>